Greetings, weary travelers. Come, warm yourself by the fire, and let us regale you with mighty tales, tales of adventure, tales of heroism, and of course, tales of Tamriel, brought to you by the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages. I am your host, Lotus of Doom, this episode. Um, Ark is away, although hopefully Ark will has a new scheduling situation that might allow him to more consistently join again soon, which would be very exciting. However, in Ark's absence, um, we have, at least to start with, we have Tia's benefactor joining once again on a uh, kind of specialized topic right before we get into all the Necrom stuff. But uh, welcome back, benefactor. How you doing? Well, thank you. I'm doing very well. Glad to be back. I'm always happy to join in on the show. I have great conversations all the time. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so speaking of conversations, the kind of... We've got all the exciting, uh, you know, new stuff coming up with uh, Necrom's launch this week. Um, so, you know, at least on PC. Um, so there hasn't been, you know, PTS is done with. People kind of know what to expect. There's a lot of hype going on. Uh, all this stuff happening. However, that doesn't leave us with a ton of new news specifically for the week. But... With all of that being right around the corner, and also me being on console, so I've got to wait a little bit longer, there's um, a bit of a topic discussion that I've been excited to talk about or, or related to this, which will explain why Benefactor is joining again, because we actually had, you know, we kind of got on off an offshoot on this before one of the times you had joined, and this is a little more specialized. We also got some uh, tweet responses and uh, a couple emails so I um, or or DMs that I can address as well, but it's going to be a little more related to things in and around the game. And it was spurred by the fact that Necrom is right around the corner. So what we're going to do to kick things off is, like we mentioned, Necrom, it's very close for PC. We got a couple weeks until we get it on console. But what we're going to talk about here is the idea of what do you want outside the game itself? Like everybody likes collecting stuff in game, be it costumes, mounts, titles, uh, me with achievement points, <laughs> whatever the case, collecting stuff in games for a lot of people is really fun. However, a lot of people enjoy collecting stuff like Physically, too, like like the actual stuff around the game. <laughs> I was going to say, for anybody watching the video version of this, um, you can probably tell from both the backdrop of both me and Benefactor, it is just nerd collectibles galore back there. <laughs> um you with one really elaborate one that is super unique and you've got a couple that we'll get into uh if you haven't heard our other show with benefactor talking about some of the super rare collectible stuff we have but um the idea of some of like be it physical swag or just something that you would like to see sort of as like additions to the games themselves because this world is pretty rich and other series that have been on, maybe not even quite as long, have different things that kind of encompass around the game itself. And um, why don't we kick things off with Benefactor? Like, you're obviously a collector of outside game Elder Scrolls stuff. Um, 
why don't you why don't you dive into your very unique hat, which Chad is interested in? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't really call myself so much a collector. Uh, it, there has to be something that's obsessive in the collection. <laughs> we can make it uh, I have to connoisseur. <laughs> I try to collect almost everything that's released uh, that's physical merchandise, um, except for posters. I don't go for posters, but any major um, items I like to collect. Uh, now, as for this hat here, it is a Colovian fur helm uh, from one of the loot crates that were recently discontinued. Um, and so um, it's I've been meaning to wear it, and this is the perfect stream for it. <laughs> so, yeah, actually, that was another thing that kind of spurred the idea to talk about this is um, I had been doing the loot crate reviews on my YouTube, and I, I had mentioned um, that... I bought a couple and then for whatever reason they stopped, like they kept sending them to me, but didn't have a way to charge me because that credit card wasn't active. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, whatever. Um, so I just kept going through them. And honestly, a decent amount of the stuff was pretty good. Like, you know, there, there, there's obviously a lot of discrepancy in what people are specifically looking for. However, it seemed like they covered a decent variety of things like i really the the drinking glasses i specifically thought were really good that came in there um and they, they had i personally love the soul gem lamp and stuff like that so uh, i, I it, loved all of it um yeah. even the small collectibles that they had replicas like the nern root yes for instance yes. uh to where they have many different things that they've released over the years that have been unique that people have been wanting but it was very limiting quantity a hundred percent um I, I i i agree and a lot of them were pretty unique I, i've got a bunch of them for anybody on the video uh you know the shelves behind us we've got varying parts of the crates there the little ramekin bowls stuff like that the soul gem lamp i thought was exceptionally cool you have a black soul gem lamp don't you Yes, uh, the Black Soul Gem Lamp was a bonus that they threw into some people's boxes. Not everybody's, but just some people. Um, and it's slightly different colored, and uh, but it's very similar to the one that you have. Yeah, well, so it's f funny enough, which again, uh, as, as Makari is joking about that I'm the reason they went out of business. Uh, I, As much as I enjoyed this stuff, um, <clears throat> the concept of loot boxes, especially real like loot boxes, really not my thing. I, I don't really buy loot boxes in game and stuff like that. I just I like knowing what I'm getting. So I kind of I took a different type of gamble when I got the first two crates because it was like, eh, well, with the business change, I think they'll probably go pretty hard to get people in on the first two crates. And they kept going right up until they straight up stopped doing them because the company's got some suspect uh track record <laughs> and uh the thing that was interesting was i actually never got a soul gem lamp from from them specifically i got mine off ebay <laughs> somebody was selling it for like 40 bucks or something like that and i was like boom i'm in and now i've seen them on ebay for like a hundred dollars because they're so like uncommon and yeah mine's just a normal soul gem Whereas yours is like a little different colored, like you said, same idea. It's just like a different material. So it's like it looks like a black soul gem, which is kind of cool. It makes them unique. Um, I will say that I uh, was always weary of Loot Crate um, and them delivering items on time. So I never actually subscribed after the first subscription. 
uh, I just went and bought it on eBay, even though it was slightly exaggerated prices. Um, I knew that I'd be getting the items and not that it would just be discontinued one day, which it was out of the blue. Yeah, exactly. Um, and actually, to, you know, to to some people that I, I figure I'd be remiss to say back when Promethean was consistently on the show with us, um, they tried to get the, the crates and they were just like, nope, you sh- no. <laughs> and he's dead. Like, so that was a huge holdup uh, over at, um, what do you call it? Over at uh, UESP. I- I've been, you know, when I talked to AKB who had been on the old uh unofficial elder scrolls podcast just straight up didn't get that like so many people have had issues getting these things to actually show up they just straight up no show and then you have to dispute the charges because they they charge you for them so it's like it's not really any wonder the old company went out of business but then when you have a company that goes out of business and then is picked up by another subsidiary i cannot imagine trying to shift that paperwork over to make it make sense and people are getting charged properly and people are getting the things they actually should be getting and in my case for some reason i slipped through the cracks in the other direction where they kept sending me stuff long after they were unable to charge me and then like the last ones i got i got a crate that was apparently like four seasons old they were just like oh by the way you didn't get this alchemy crate and i was like i didn't even order the last crate thank you i appreciate that (laughs) so like whatever but it's weird it was a very weird thing um i i'm not necessarily saying don't ever deal with loot crate it's just be weary specifically um you know it seems like maybe the newer company is better but uh, again i it's it, it was definitely kind of a mixed bag i know a lot of people from the community had been partnered with them and it made them look bad because then they weren't delivering delivering on what they had promised and stuff like that so it's like honestly especially now that these crates are done with. There are no more Elder Scrolls crates coming out, at least announced. It's been discontinued. We got the email about it not being a thing anymore. Um, if you see this stuff that you like out of these crates, go to eBay. Get them secondhand if you really want them. They're definitely going to be more expensive for sure. <clears throat> but if you're looking for something specifically, there are still ways to get them. And I will also say that uh, even though the experience of getting the crates was bad, uh, the actual merchandise itself was of decent quality for what you were paying. Um, it, it's not top tier, but it was uh, worth displaying on your shelf. Yes, agreed, agreed. Um, so, yeah, that's that's I guess the overview of like the crate style thing. Um, but going off on that, there's more to, I guess, the idea of extra things to this series, um, throughout basically the history of the series already. And at the same time, what we would like to see a lot of what I'll be suggesting on things I might like to see are (laughs) more so from references uh, to other game series that have things included that I just think would be really cool if the Elder Scrolls were to add them, especially with Elder Scrolls Online being like kind of this living, ongoing game type of deal. Um, so uh, Loctavian's also about to be joining us. So we're, just 
have some more opinions incoming. Um, but to kick things off to start with, why don't we go with uh, Benefactor. Round one, what is something? what would you say is one of the biggest things you would like to see added collectible-wise, something that you wish the series would introduce? Uh, the number one thing is going to be novels, um, new stories within the world. Um, there is so much room to be able to throw a story of just even just an adventure group going into an alien ruin, for instance. And uh, I, I would buy a whole series of books of just random adventures within the Elder Scrolls. They don't have to be uh, top tier quality of uh, uh, huge impacts to the lore, but just stories within the universe itself is lacking. We have gotten some with the previous collector's editions, such as Naryu's journal or Razumdar's uh, journal with the Morrowind and Somerset collector's editions. But after that, um, we haven't really gotten a book in a long time with stories from the universe. Agreed. I We've talked about the novels before that they're somewhat limited on what there are because it's literally just the two from greg keys um they were good um and it, it, that's pretty much how i've always referred to them they're good uh as stories in and of themselves but to your point they don't need to be these like defining things necessarily um and in in the case of of the two novels that are out, uh, what is it, Infernal City and uh, Lord uh, of Souls? Yep. Okay. Um, both of those books are interesting in and of themselves. You could tell that there's some, there's plenty of Elder Scrolls references, some of which actually have become canonized, which is kind of neat. But then there's also some things where it's like, oh, this is somebody who isn't necessarily ingrained in Elder Scrolls writing about something elder scrolls there's a few of those things as well with it but i feel that if you are already invested in the series they're a great compendium to that however if you just pick up the books i don't know that it would drag you in to more of the series necessarily um but i really do in, enjoy the idea of more novels being added to the series and actually with that note Locke has arrived how you doing Locke? um i'm doing good um i think my mic should be working sorry about that i wrote down the wrong time for this broadcast so i'm a <laughs> little bit late i do apologize no worries we we kick things off and that's why i was like hopefully it's nothing important and there's a good chance Locke will just join us in progress which is exactly what happened so no problemo we're um we're, we're, we're literally just kicking off the part we were discussing sort of how the series would benefit from extra stuff added maybe outside of it ironically you were the first person to post on the post that i put on twitter so for the sake of you just joining us why don't you jump in we we can i can throw the mic right to you what is something that you would like to see added into the series uh benefactor had mentioned novels which we only have two to go off of and i think they were great additions even if they don't necessarily like I don't know. They're not groundbreaking, but they were solid additions, I always think. Yeah, I mean, starting right there, that's a great thing. I agree. I think, that, again, the novels, like you said, weren't groundbreaking, but they also, we didn't continue with them. And I think there's a lot of amazing authors out there, a lot of people who can write in different 
spaces and seeing their takes on Tamriel to expand out the lore would be great. I would love more uh, novelizations. I know they're not canon anymore, but I think novels in like the Star Wars series did a lot to expand that overall universe before it got kind of retconned into what it is now. And I think novelizations can do a really good job also exploring things we've seen before from different vantage points. So I think that's a really great thing would be novels. Yeah, no, I, I, I would really, I, again, kind of to your point, other, other series utilize it in a good way of giving like, I don't know, bolstering stories to what you play in the games or whatever. And I feel like with there being so much at your disposal in the Elder Scrolls already, that just seems great to have something like that as like additions to it. I would also like to mention that you don't have to stick to just a fantasy um, uh, type of genre to where you could go into so many different genres. You could create a romance novel in Elder Scrolls, and I know people would buy it, especially if it features any of their characters that they love. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure with that one. I'm positive that that would make... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people happy uh, just from the again there's so much in the series as is that people latch on to very different from each other a lot of times too like stuff that entertains me does not entertain somebody else and vice versa people have just so many aspects of the series that are different from each other that they like so i think that would be super helpful yeah, and i think i look at it a lot like i look at the lord of the rings is a very different thing whereas lord of the rings canon and history is codified into law and elder scrolls is very malleable and told by the perspective of the culture but even then there's a lot of big gaps i mean the entirety of elder scrolls online exists in one of these bigger kind of like gaps in lore that gives them a lot of freedom there's a lot of realms a lot of heroes but there's also just like a lot of stories and like benefactor just said you could tell romance stories who wouldn't want a harlequin romance series of jacarn's dalliances who wouldn't want to who wouldn't want a tech noir mystery in the clockwork city maybe somebody out there wants some more of a like a uh western style kind of tell there's a lot of realms a lot of like different um sorts of genres that can be explored and that kind of like the stories tie into the thing that i talked about a lot on my stream recently we kind of did a fake casting of elder scrolls sometimes like oh when is there going to be an elder scrolls online series when is there going to be a skyrim tv series When's there going to be that? And I went, no, we don't want a Skyrim TV series. We don't want a retelling of Marwin on TV. What I would want to see, and this is the thing I think it's right for, and I'm really surprised they haven't licensed this out, is an anthology series. Something like an uh, American Horror Story or True Detective where you have eight to ten episodes. You can do an eight to ten episode series, complete cast of actors, set it in Hammerfell, tell some of these amazing like sword singer um and say stories there and the next season you can jump a hundred years in the future shoot on down you know to the gold coast and tell a completely different story and i think an anthology series with the amount of lore kind of hits the same things that benefactor saying with books but done in a like a visual medium and again there's just so much to explore there so many different things you could do with uh, a television series i think it had to be like a prestige television series again eight to ten episodes tell a compact, amazing story. And then again, next season, you can just shoot to a different time, a different place, do the same things like you're saying with the books where one season can have a, this sort of genre vibe and the other one can have that genre vibe. And I think, honestly, Elder Scrolls has so much lore, so many regions, so many different types of stories that not only is it ripe for books, it's really ripe for like 
a visual medium to tell really interesting stories in an interesting way. Uh, I, I love that idea of an anthology to where uh, it would be the best way to present Tamriel because Tamriel is not just one story. It's a story of all these different people with all these different backgrounds. And I, I, I love that idea. Yeah. Uh, same here and along those lines because i've heard that a lot it's like oh well when are we going to get like this game in a a, you know in a tv show or a movie or whatever and i'm always like meh that's whatever but they all these referenced stories or you know they could write their own but again the way companies like netflix and stuff like that are doing that like well you got enough to work with maybe choose the stories that are already well written and just kind of expand upon (laughs) them in, in a more visual format type of thing i think would be better um but like for the most part like one of the ones that i feel would be very good is just the concept of like nerevar originally you could literally turn that into a season of the show and it doesn't need to connect to anything else it could be wholly independent it could just like be a thing part of an anthology like you said it's just like well this season is this and then like I guess a good example of a show that sort of does this, and there are little ties together, but it's it's separated, and it's not one season goes to the next season goes to the next season, would be, um, what is it, American Horror Story? And back with uh, some of those seasons, I, I haven't seen the show in a while, but for the first couple of seasons at least, American Horror Story, they didn't really... It wasn't season one, then leads to season two. They were different stories, but they uh, had, they shared a lot of the same actors or whatever. But it was just, this is the name of the series, and here are these, like, independent, this season is about this, this season is about this. And with how many stories are in the Elder Scrolls as a whole, you could do that with, like, some of the in-game books or some of just the the anecdotes in the story type of thing. I think that would be really cool because then you could cover some of these stories and fill in some of the stuff like that. And you wouldn't step on people's game experiences and you know, Oh, well that's weird because I don't remember the game doing that. It's like, well, you don't need to do that. Like you can do your own thing or make a, a movie about a story that is talked about in the games, which I think could really help again, bolster it as a series as opposed to, okay, how can we just market Skyrim again? <laughs> right. Uh, there is another thing that they can do as well. Uh, I know Delta Scrolls is big on unreliable narrator, and they can be able to do that in TV shows as well by just having it start with someone telling a story that ends up being what that season or episode is about. Uh, you were going to say something, long? Oh, no, no, I continue. Um, but no, the whole idea of the unreliable narrator, I just, I really like that idea just resonate with, because like you said, you can have somebody telling a story and therefore it maintains the unreliable narrator season to season. Cause it's set in that kind of tonality of some bard telling a tale. Yeah. It's, it's something that I feel is a really big strength to the series overall. And <laughs> again, it, it, it allows people to kind of have their own takes on the thing and then gives way for interesting discussion as opposed to neckbeardy discussion where it's like, well, in this situation, it had to be this. And it's like, 
you know, there's really there's a lot of room for retconning in this series, uh, it, you know, and as long as it's not egregiously just dumping on something that was like in one of your games that it's like, OK, well, that's kind of lame that it's just like, oh, by the way, there are no dragons in the series anymore. It's like, OK, well, that's just not true. But <laughs> but like stuff like this event played out like this, the, the fact that I uh, referencing back to Nerevar. Even that's vague and murky. Like, there's not even that much of a concrete thing. It's based on, well, which religion? Are you part of the Ashlander tribe that feels like he was betrayed by the tribunal? Or the tribunal that's like, hey, whatever. It's <laughs> Mistakes happen. Oops. Like, we did what we could. So even stuff like that could be interesting to have, like, you know, unique twists on the stories. So, again, it gives so much room for creativity in telling these stories as well, because as long as you kind of hit the main bullet points to the stories, how they're portrayed, people will, of course, get bent out of shape because it's like, well, that's not how I wanted it to be. It's like, well, OK, yeah, but then do your own. Otherwise, <laughs> like there's there's lots of room for it. And it could just be, OK, well, this series is this interpretation of it, which there's not a lot of fiction where that fits and doesn't just make it seem awkward it's actually kind of feeds into exactly how the stories are told within this series yeah once upon a time in 1996 some amazing writers at bethesda wrote themselves into a real tough ass corner if they wanted to continue the series and then somebody over a brainstorming session went you know this whole schrodinger's cat thing where the cat's <laughs> Eat both alive and dead until you open the box. What if we opened the box and the cat was both dead and alive? <laughs> we'll call it a dragon break. So, um, so if the writers can write themselves in a, a nice little wonderful dragon break, our most weird and fun piece of lore, yeah, unreliable narrators plus dragon breaks equal. I, I find the fun of Elder Scrolls and what keeps me engaged with Elder Scrolls is I like to be a lore buff and I like to talk lore about a lot of things i'm into but a lot of times that lore comes down very biblically i mentioned lord of the rings earlier because there's a cimmerillion this beget this in the era of this right and this is true and this is real and it is written and there is no unreliable narrator maybe somebody lies about it but at the end of the day this is what happened elder scrolls gives us like you said depends on your perspective and where you were depends on your perspective of the daedric princes and your culture like everything is always again when Dragon Breaks both very much untrue, but also very much true. And I think that again opens up things creatively. So it opens up for fun debates. It can also open up for like you call them the neckbeardy, <laughs> I'm mad because it's not my way debates. But in most of the cases I have with lore, it really opens up a oh, that's an interesting take if you believe this. But well, if we look at this, I kind of feel this way, and it creates a very more realistic thing that you would have with somebody if you were debating culture theology and even history so i think it does it's an amazing thing that elder scrolls does with that and that can be used again we've already mentioned written media televised media any form of media can really kind of utilize that in fun ways because they don't have to go nobody can like push up the glasses and you know old like 90s trope go well actually this <laughs> happened this way because we don't know Right, right. Exactly. Uh, the only thing that we know for sure is what we see in the game. Uh, anything right. outside of that is a author's interpretation of those events. And in that way, it also allows for developers to be able to have more creative freedom to create the stories that they want to tell, even if it 
falls a little bit outside of what we currently know about the situation. Yeah, most definitely. Um, also, to everybody in chat, hello. Uh, I had mentioned at the start of the show that we had some technical difficulties, so I'm actually streaming on my channel as opposed to the Tales channel, um, which also uh, just just the reason I'm mentioning, mentioning this specifically is I can't actually type in my own chat to say hello because for some reason, even though I'm streaming from my own channel and logged in on my own channel because I'm currently streaming, it doesn't think I'm logged in. So it's please ask. It's asking me to please log in whenever I try to type in chat. So, uh, yeah, this is just a universal hello to chat. Thank you for joining us. Um, yeah, it, there have been like 9,000 technical difficulties prior to this stream. So, uh, yeah, that, that's why I figured I'd just shout it out. I can see all of you. I just can't type to you, which is annoying because I can only mod from my phone to delete stuff. That's pretty much all I have access to, which is great. Um, <laughs> so... But all right, so so far, love both of those suggestions. Um, <clears throat> Benefactor and I had kind of been talking a little bit about this uh, prior to, and this is where I'm going to jump basically into one of the. I don't want to. I don't, I don't want it to come across as negative as like a pet peeve, but it's something that I really, really specifically kind of want, and we have gone from getting a degree of it to now not getting it, which is uh, something that from Necrom being right around the corner really hits a little extra close to home. Um, for anybody who's ever seen, well, whether you're watching the live show now or have ever seen any of my streams, I have a giant wall of nerd behind me. A lot of it's Elder Scrolls stuff. <clears throat> that includes all physical copies of the games, which Elder Scrolls Online has stopped doing for their new chapters. Um, we originally got a physical version. It was just a disc and a case. Um, I, there was obviously the Imperial version right out the gate, stuff like that, um, where the, the cases were a little more elaborate and the special collector's editions had their cases. Um, it, Locke's got the statue handy as well from Mafala. Like, so love this stuff. I, I personally think it's really cool. I, I, I just, the idea of physical media is something I still largely enjoy physical media. Um, in some situations, it wouldn't matter if it's physical or not, because if you lose access to the servers that is hosting it, it won't, it won't help because there's nothing to do. But like games that are single player games that they're like, well, you downloaded it and the service is down, so you can't play the game that you own by yourself. And that drives me kind of wacky. But um, in some cases, like Elder Scrolls Online, which if the servers go down, not, I mean, whenever that day comes, say 20 years from now or whatever, that's not a lot you can do because like it's an online only game. I do love especially when it started this way, I love the, for lack of a better word, the memory from that year in a physical form type of thing. And to have them stacked up over the years of like, yeah, yeah, no. So, the, you know, we had Somerset. So here's a Somerset case and the Elsewhere case and the Blackwood case. And then last year with High Isle, we got nothing. Uh, they just didn't do a physical version of it. You could buy the base game physically if that's how you... But that was it. There was no, there was no new box. Uh, and what's weirder about that is in the promotional stuff, they designed a box because it's in the, the advertisements. It shows you what it would theoretically look like. 
And then it happened again this year. Like, they're clearly done with that idea of doing <clears throat> a physical boxed release. And even if it's a case with a code, it's just weird to have it be a thing and then just fizzle out and not be a thing. And I'm sure it's cost effectiveness, time, whatever. But why I wanted to specifically mention this, other than, of course, Necrom being right around the corner, is... I believe it's called Dragonflight. Uh, Locke, you might know this more than me. I don't play World of Warcraft, but like... Dragonflight is the recent... Dragonflight's the most recent the expansion. Most recent one. Okay, World that's, what I, yeah. that's what I thought. That's what I thought. <clears throat> somebody, not even somebody I'm friends with just because of weird Twitter, Twitter algorithms or whatever, had on their release, they had the sh their nerd shelf. And they were like, another year, another like piece of history... <clears throat> and it was all of these super elaborate boxed game, like the game boxes. <clears throat> well, it's only on PC. So very specifically, we don't even have disk drives anymore. So <laughs> like there's there's a code in this box, I assume, and nothing more. But they are these big boxes. They are elaborate. They are like covered in artwork. And they've released one for every one of the expansions and I love that. And it is so cool. And we should and could have that for the Elder Scrolls Online. And we don't. And it really makes me sad. You want the emotion-filled, uh, I agree with you answer, or do you want the cold, hard, I <laughs> come from a data analyst background and I can, I can tell you with why? a factual number why so what so why don't we all right so why don't we do this why don't you give me uh your your hopeful thing to start with because i was gonna say okay. i obviously like okay. agreement and then because i i, I kind of alluded to the fact that i kind of know why this isn't a thing we can hit everybody with the actual yeah. logistical yeah. Okay. value why this doesn't really make a lot of sense okay well we'll do one into the other then um physical copies Collector's editions, collector's items are huge. We have our nerd shelves. Um, we don't just have nerd shelves because we make content, we make videos, we stream and stuff like that. That's a factor why. Truth is, I have so much collector stuff around this space that you can't see. And well before I ever thought about the idea of making content, I bought glass cases for figurines. I have a coin display case for the different, I have a bunch of different Elder Scrolls coins, both ones they've produced and ones artists on Etsy and at places have produced in the physical collector's edition. I have the Mafala statue. It came with this fine leather bound book of lore. This was Morrowind collector's edition. It came with all of these things and they're cool and they get me more involved and in games that have collector's editions. I like to buy those things. because I'm very into the games I'm buying. Um, and there's a collector's market to that as well. I mean, there's the reason why people, and as we get older, as gamers get older, as gaming gets older, there's a reason there's a huge resurgence in the price of used old Super Nintendo and Nintendo 64 games, big box PC games, because we're, we have more disposable income in our 30s, our 40s, our 50s, and we don't think about baseball cards. We didn't really have baseball cards that kind of stopped being a thing when we were kids to the same extent. And we don't collect coins unless they're nerd coins. So the things we collect are these old kind of collectibles. So that whole collectibles market, the whole thing that we like to collect, we like to look at something. I look at the Mafala statue. I remember Morrowind coming out. I remember playing with my friends. I remember adventuring around. It's physical uh, with, nostalgia. Yeah, <laughs> it's physical nostalgia. And that's why I think it's really important. And I don't think it's captured in the same way it's captured 
yes, I can get a Hermaeus Morris statue. Thanks for the re-release. Josh, I really mean it. I, I did get, <laughs> get it. <laughs> and I can get the Ascendant Lord statue and I can buy these collector's items and I always could, but they're not, intr they're intrinsically tied to the release because that's what the collectibles from they're not tied to the same way as the fact that i still have all of my they're big ass boxes by the way my somerset box my morrowind box um they're big physical boxes and they look cool um and so everything all the collectibles that came with it is all tied to that same experience and i think that's lost by having to buy the collectibles separately because at the end of the day even if you don't get the chapter right away you can still get a Hermes Morris statue and things like that so that I, I think there's something lost there and I agree with you that I think collectors nostalgia and things are important I think there will always be a market for it so I agree with you 100% what you're saying that way just to transition to the cold hard facts 81% of distribution of games which both have a digital and physical addition to them this is this number is not skewed by digital only games. This is games that you can buy a physical copy of. Um, 81% digital purchases. I have the stats right in front of me because I've looked this up and, yep. and talked about before. 81%. This is 2020, by the way, so it may have changed. Um, yeah, if anything, it might actually be over more COVID. so. <laughs> right. Um, and that's the stat. That's the number. Um even with console releases, 226 unique titles. Yeah. And so, but it also has to do, and if we get, then we can get into distribution of titles of available titles on, where is it? Um, PC, because I have this data right on hand. Um, there's thousands of games that are released without any physical copies. But yeah, the truth is outside of collecting, most people, because we have bigger hard drives, although we're, cycling into an interesting phase because there is a huge backlash right now street fighter 6 is something like 85 gigabytes like so now there's starting to be backlash with like hey i am a console player or even i'm a pc player i really don't like having to uninstall a game to play a game to reinstall a game to play a game so it went from we have these really big hard drives now digital just makes sense because i'm not thinking about the future what happens when the digital store goes offline um to wait, these games are so big, maybe I having physical games would be good again. So we might see the pendulum shift. But the real fact is, if I'm a money man, if I'm a money lady, if I'm a money person sitting there in the office that makes the decision and the development team, and the, or in this case, the marketing team comes to me and goes, this is the cool collectors we're going to put with them. We're going to release a collector's item. If I'm a hard data person, they're going to have a hard time selling me on I should make a very expensive collector's edition because at the end of the day, the cost of the collector's edition, just even at $300 to keep it um, within reach of people uh, so they won't be too mad about the price of the collector's edition because they usually have to be in that range, go, most people won't buy this collector's edition. We're only going to make so many of these collector's editions. There's just more money in selling the individual collectibles separately and because there's somewhat of a loss that's taken them and I, the data, unfortunately, gives finance teams that kind of decision-making power. That's the kind of cold facts part of it, unfortunately. Yep. It's all the consumerism of always chasing increased profits. Um, um, I also wonder if there's a – if the change in demographics of younger generations uh, is contributes to that with uh, the changes on what they look for in games. Like – for instance, uh, going into the next thing I'm thinking about that relates to this is 
like physical guides to games are a thing that used to always come out with a lot of different games. Uh, I have every single one from Arena to um, Somerset of ESO that on my shelf behind me. And we don't get physical guides anymore. It's not something that they produce. Um, I'm sure it's not cost effective anymore with online guides and community created content. Um, and that shifting demographic uh, also makes me feel like uh, we don't have the collectibles that we had before. Yeah, I agree with that, especially with shifting demographics and just perspectives on markets and how people consume media in general. Um, if I want to continue down the pipeline, um, just for anybody who doesn't know, when I say I worked in analytics, I worked specifically in the tech field. Specifically, my job was to take data and help other teams basically convince execs and marketing teams to do certain things. Um, sometimes it was in the gaming space, sometimes it wasn't. Um, so I have a little bit of an insider baseball perspective on this. And at the end of the day, I can produce a physical item. I can afford to make X amount of um, them available to people. Um, we can sell all of those. We'll make an okay profit. But why? And this is goes back. It's, it's the collectibles themselves delve down to digital versus non-digital. And it's true. I know you already talked about crates and stuff, so I won't get into that. But if I can pay an artist or a team of artists to develop digital assets of which I can create artificial scarcity of, of which I can create FOMO for, and I can sell within the game space for much cheaper, for a much longer lifespan that I can sell repeatedly over and over and over to new people cycling through the game. Um, as again, if I'm being a cold, hard money person whose entire job is to look at the bottom line, to look at profits of the game and how that impacts the entirety of the company, I go, okay, we can do a small press line of this physical good, but we really should focus on these digital goods because these digital goods, production costs, artist costs, to the amount of money we make, especially on the lifetime of a live service game, is way bigger. And again, that that we can go into a whole different yeah, podcast it, it about, 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 so about cosmetics pain, but, yeah. and sold cosmetics and loot crates and battle passes and all that. But at the end of the day, unfortunately, not only is it as Benefactor said about how people consume media and how they consume digital versus physical collect, you know, physical um, items. It also comes down to there's more money in collection of digital goods. And this isn't to cast dispersion at the end of the day, companies exist to make money, but that, but so that creates this kind of cold, hard, realistic fact that we as a society are gravitating more away from physical goods to digital goods. And also from a money's perspective, it's easier to produce digital goods than physical ones. Right. Because you don't have a stock inventory in that yeah. case at bare like bones minimum. It's like you produce the thing once and can sell it as many times as you want, as opposed to needing to produce something to sell it in terms of a physical product. It's a very different market. And you don't ever run into a situation where you have to bury a thousand carts of ET in the desert yeah. <laughs> because you couldn't sell them. Yeah, that's that's very much true because like overproduction is a different problem altogether, which, again, you don't want to necessarily produce extra waste either. You know, it, it, us enjoying our hobbies and stuff, totally legit. But yeah, when, when it also just becomes garbage, it's 
a different problem. So then you have to do, you know, that's where the analytics to trying to figure out how much of something. And it's why actually um, kind of tangentially related with the Bethesda store products and stuff like that. A lot of times they don't seem like they overproduce that much of this stuff. It seems like they keep them in pretty small batches. And then if we are lucky, they seem to do redos of of more popular stuff okay we'll make up another set of coins the amount of times the three alliance banners have come back it's like ebonheart's always out of stock and then sometimes ad is out of stock sorry dc you're usually in stock uh, <laughs> but yeah like those will those will come in and out of stock off and on but it's like they, they clearly like once they sold out if there's clearly demand for them i can assume they can just like okay how many page views for this thing are being out it's like okay well a lot of people are obviously still interested in this we should produce more same thing with the statues mentioned in chat actually uh about the hermaeus mora statue which i again i was buying it before they announced it because the site went live first and i was like i got this like uh because i've been waiting for my hermes more statue since the beginning but um they they did those and then they did that cool little like extra one where it's like okay well here's a here's a slightly different version which is pretty cool because i know a lot of people who wanted them they sold out in like nine seconds so then they had a second batch where it's like okay well here's a, a darker version like it's a it's a different collector's version which is cool because um actually a couple of my a couple of my friends got that version so not only did they get theirs in the end that they're excited to have arrived we actually they're a little unique from each other like i'll have the original version they'll have the collector ver like it's kind of cool that it's like oh and then it even makes them a little unique but they obviously made them in relatively small batches to the degree that it's like they sold out really fast i think you can maybe still get the 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 second run of them but i'm not entirely sure of that but e either way like there weren't that many uh like it wasn't flood of the market and then it's like oh well, we got to mark them down because they weren't selling it was more like yeah this ended up being exclusive whether it, whether or not that was the goal or not um all right so that's, uh, that's yeah, so, go ahead. yeah go ahead looking at it on the store right now uh, they are limited to only two thousand of the original statues that's yeah that's what i thought it was i thought it was something like that which is like yeah that's uh <laughs> that's not uh, a lot that's very uh, uh similar for almost all bethesda store products to where if you look at any of your coins for instance that you get there um along the rim usually there's going to be a number for that coin of one through a thousand or one through ten thousand of how many it was made yeah, exactly. And uh, all the way back to the beginning, if I remember correctly, this is going back nine years. So apologies if I'm slightly off on the number, but I believe with the Imperial like edition or whatever, which I've got my folder holding up my um, soul gem, I think they made 10,000 of those at the initial launch, which, okay, 10,000 is a large number. But when you think of Okay, well, we're currently the last figure they gave was 22 million people have made accounts on it. 10,000 is a pathetically minuscule amount compared to the amount of people involved with the game that potentially could have one of these. Now, granted, most people probably wouldn't care enough about that to spend the money or they just wouldn't, they don't collect the stuff, whatever. But it's just to give you a perspective, at the moment, say, 22 million say no players have been added to the game since they last announced it so we're still exactly at 22 million 
10,000 is such a small percentage of that. So it's like 2,000 Hermes Morris statues. Well, that's even less. Like, so that's, it is, it's, it's, they're marketing to the niche market. I mean, as is, right. this is a niche show. It is a show about a single video game series. So it's like, you know, just because something is niche doesn't mean it doesn't have a market, but it's a little more to adjust to, if that makes sense. And that great brings to mind a great point of marketing to the masses, uh, things that they can be able to put out there that the vast majority of people would want compared to what the small market or the niche market, which would be us here, um, would want. Uh, we want all kinds of things. We want the books. We want the movies. We want the uh, statues that are going to go on our shelves. But the vast majority of people, that's not the case for yeah, de definitely. And and that's just it. It's like, but it is nice. I don't know. It It's the thing with the, the you know, you've got this. And we we have all of our nerdy stuff that we've got. We've got our alliance banners up hanging in the background while well, mine's in front of me. So you can't see it. But um, like when we go out and we were we got those little backpacks that we got from ESO Vegas celebration, which we were all at. It's like, we've got our, our backpacks available. I love how everybody goes right for their backpacks. It's like, <laughs> that's exactly it. So we've got our ESO backpacks type of thing. Stuff like that is always just like neat because then you get like, when it connects with somebody else, it's just that really interesting, like nerdy bit. I actually had a tweet um, a week ago where somebody uh when i was checking out at at uh from grabbing a drink at it was like a cvs or something like that um somebody actually noted ow that was very painful so i got my charity tattoo um of the alliances around my arm and i just went to checkout and was buying my drink uh, i was like an iced tea or whatever and the person behind the checkout uh, just happened to be like, oh, that's a really cool tattoo. And I was like, oh, thank you. And their follow-up was, it reminds me of a game I really love. And it, they said it in a way that it was almost like, yeah, this sounds super nerdy and I don't really want to like elaborate necessarily. <laughs> but it was like, oh, yeah, it reminds me of a game that I really love. And I was just like, oh, yeah, which one? And they were like, well, have you ever heard of the Elder Scrolls Skyrim and it was kind of funny because I was trying not to laugh when they did it but I was like oh uh, yeah I have heard of the Elder Scrolls Skyrim I was like have you ever heard of ESO and like there was this weird this is like the nerdiest IRL thing ever this like switch went off when they when I said that because they looked at my arm and were like oh my god those are the alliances and I'm like aha somebody plays ESO and you just didn't make the connection because again it's a very similar art style type of thing but it was like that's very specific because I have a literal tattoo on my arm that's a bit more over the top but like simple enough if I had a the backpack you guys just showed I mean mine's right behind me type of thing but when I wear my, like, I'm going out to the store, I put mine on my shoulder. Somebody sees that and makes that connection. And it's like, oh, that's really cool. And I've seen other games, World of Warcraft being a very similar vein of a big MMO style game. I've seen people with like those horde backpack 
things. I don't really know much about that series, but I recognize some of the symbols. Or they have the Alliance backpack. That's neat. Like, just to have that outside game um, connection where most people aren't going to get it. Most people don't care. But then when you find somebody that does get it, it just it's a really amusing thing when somebody's able to be like, oh, I totally recognize that. And I play that, too. And it makes it seem like your community is all around you because it's weird. Oftentimes you don't realize how much interest people share, even sometimes when you don't think you do. Right. Um, I agree completely with with all of that everything you said there um and uh, again seeing especially seeing people in spaces that have something that you go oh that's something i'm into um while we're not talking about games with my tattoos because a lot of my gaming tattoos are just visible i have an anime tattoo it's a very simple tattoo if you don't watch anime it just looks like samurais if you watch sure. anime you know it's samurai shampoo the number of people i've met had conversations with <laughs> i spent the right. night talking at bars about anime because they go they see that they go Oh, that's Samurai Shampoo. I know that anime. You're into anime. And then we talk about other stuff, but it's that initial community connection. So I use this because it's the quickest tattoo I have. Sure. And you're mentioning your tattoo. So it made me think. But yeah, but even if it's shirts, if I see somebody in a shirt, like I innately go, I'll go, if they see something that's Elder Scrolls related or uh, related to this, that, or other thing that I'm into, I can go, I make that initial connection. It makes it much easier to just have a conversation, especially when I'm at places like you may, Vegas, we're all there for Elder Scrolls, but when I go to sure. bigger conventions, if I'm at a PAX, because we're talking about yep. niche, um, we're talking about people who go to conventions. If I go to PAX, if I'm at Anime Expo, if I'm at a smaller convention, if I'm at a Comic Con, um, any of these nerd spaces, I kind of keep my eye out as I'm going around because we're all there to kind of also be social. And when I see people that have things that are the same nerd dumb as me, I go, cool. And that's the person I can talk to, strike up a conversation, because I at least have an initial thing to go, hey, cool, you're... I noticed you got a, you know, Ouroboros uh, necklace on. Are you here because are you going to go to the uh, tavern later? Um, because that PAX West Bethesda used to always run like an ESO tavern. Yep. They're like, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, obviously, other shows I'm going to be at the the tavern later. It was like, it's just, again, that's a, a visual signifier that goes, this person's into the same thing I'm into. I have a natural through line. Or even if you're not going to strike up a conversation, just being in a public space and you know, I'm wearing my uh, Thieves Guild hoodie and maybe somebody's walking around and they're wearing a Skyrim shirt. There might just be a kind of a quick visual wink and a nod sort of situation where we just both kind of acknowledge, OK, we're into the kind of the same same thing. That's really cool to, in the yeah. world and help keep that connection feeling. Yeah. Um, One of the other things, which actually I just find it kind of amusing because it was. I made reference to the fact that you were one of the first people to to like kind of respond to the initial uh, tweet that I had. One of the things I said music I, boxes. Yeah, real life music boxes is actually a really cool idea. Um, one that I did not think of, but the music boxes are in game because they're very very artistically well designed. Uh, they're not just like a box. Like their music boxes get very very elaborate in real life, so they've mimicked that in game and they play the different songs. I actually think that is a really cool idea. That is that is very unique i cannot imagine what that type of thing would cost to create but holy crap that is a really cool idea i'd pay i'd pay a couple hundred dollars i'd pay three hundred dollars yeah if it was made well without a doubt and the thing about the designs of the music boxes there are a few music boxes that are that take advantage of um the mystical nature of tamriel but the vast majority of them even like um the one that has the little like fire atronach as a ballerina on top, even that one, if you look at how it's constructed, 
mo that one could also be physically made in real life. The vast majority of the music boxes, they start as simple as ones that look like music boxes, but even some of the more elaborate ones, if you look at them, the um, Leia Win one with the scene moving, I've seen a lot of real life music boxes. I go to places, I go to like toy shops and toy shows and things like that. And those also contain a lot of like music boxes and stuff. So those are creatable in real life. Again, it comes down to market, like we're talking about with every other collectible, but I would easily give them a good amount of money if to have a well-constructed music box that I could turn on, open up, and it would move and play the um, music box rendition of the music from, from the game. I would easily pay real money for that. I think it would be a really cool collectible, um, both in-game, and it's something they could take in-game that they produce digitally, like I talked about earlier, and make a limited physical press run that I think people would buy. Uh, 10 year anniversary. Uh, maybe they can come out with a Bard class and a music box and a special collector's edition. <laughs> <laughs> Truly give Maddie everything he wants. That, that would. Um, so that one was pretty amusing. Um, the other one actually uh, from Bobblehead from, from Twitter actually uh, mentioned cuisine, which I, somebody linked the cookbook which i think was a great oh, okay. thing to link um and a couple of the it's kind of funny because i feel like all of these sort of bene <laughs> support benefactors initial thing of like the novels extend this out into books type of thing like it, because that um the Elishrolls cookbook is like great like pe people love that i've been able to have some of the stuff actually one of my birthdays um my wife and her friends actually cooked a whole bunch of stuff out of the book and and it was themed like and and everybody came over and ate it. it was delicious like they were really really good um so that was absolutely like that's that's a great thing as far as i know both the fallout one and the elder scrolls ones have both done very very well um, um yeah go ahead oh yeah i was gonna say um, you brought up the cookbook. I have the cookbook as well. Yeah, that was something I wanted to bring up when we we're talking about collections, and and we we're talking about books and TV. We talked about everything we we're talking about today. So people might not know this, but the cookbooks and all of these cool things, um, oftentimes those are licensed out. Yes. Um, I don't. I don't know if it, I don't know if the Elder Scrolls one is done by Victoria Rosenthal or the other person, but I know Victoria Rosenthal did the Final Fantasy cookbook, the Destiny cookbook. And the um, Fallout cookbook because I believe I it's have the same all... person. Yeah, I I, th I think I think, I, I think I think because of the Fallout one, I'm pretty sure I'm, she has. I'm almost positive it is the same person. Yeah, right. And so I think there's an entire marketplace out there if they don't want to produce their own collectibles that people are willing to do that. You can see that on Etsy, where I think yes. maybe they should be a little more free with their licenses like they were with the cookbook because the cookbook's the thing that makes me go okay if they don't want to make the collectibles i'm sure there's somebody out there who has a market already who has the skills already who is willing to you know partner up because the cookbooks i think are a good example of that it, it's unrelated to like different collectibles we could have but it is a thought process i have of if they don't want to do it there's probably people out there who would if they're more willing to be a little kind of free with the license and the cookbook's an example of the time they were without a um, doubt um i i totally agree with that and actually flu noogle uh was able to post in chat for us to confirm it's chelsea monroe cassell is who okay actually so did it, it. okay so it's not the same person yeah, did not, the, fallout the, and the final yep, fantasy one but it, at the same time it still was a licensed no, thing not correct a, correct but no i appreciate the correction yeah. on that thank you um yeah, thank you. you what do you call it but yeah yeah to that point i love when when things are officially licensed out correctly 
Mm-hmm. I think that is very beneficial because, again, to your point, this is a smaller market. So if it's a smaller thing doing this, there's also benefits to it. Recently, we've also had a lot of the stuff we, we've been reviewing, um, the the board games that have been coming out, which I think is like very interesting. Uh, Betrayal of the Second Era is on the way. Modiphius had their uh, call to arms, which has been consistently launching more and more as, as it continues going on, which actually you might be able to speak to a little more than me, Benefactor. I definitely can. Uh, Call to Arms was just amazing with the amount of detail that they put into these tiny little figurines. Uh, and not just Call to Arms, but the Skyrim board game that they uh, Modifius has released has a ton of story content that they've uh, released with it, uh, with several expansions. And um, I'm really looking forward to ESO's uh, uh, version of their board game that's coming out as well. Yeah, so the the Skyrim board game, um, I had actually posted some uh, pictures to Twitter when a group of us were, were playing uh, it er- earlier this year, and um, I'm not a big board game connoisseur, but I, I enjoyed the Fallout one, and we were messing around with this one because I, I had just talked to them, and I ended up getting a copy of it, and we were we were goofing around with it. And we were having a pretty decent amount of fun with it. Definitely pretty complicated. It was not just a sit down and, hey, this is totally straightforward. There was a lot to it because they really, really tried to integrate a lot of the systems, which was interesting. Um, and then at PAX East, we actually had uh, my buddy Mechafishy join on the show um, promptly after PAX East because we were given a private session where we were allowed to play uh betrayal of the second era and it is super still in progress like that is objectively not done art on the cards they were like oh well this is this art but then we've got to do this for it so it's like definitely still an early project but the kickstarter completely exploded in popularity uh it I, I forget what the number was. It was so over the top of what it was requesting. Um, so the expansions are coming and all these bonuses are coming and stuff like that. And we played that. And granted, we did have a dev literally there helping us. So that streamlined things for sure. But it was just, it felt very Elder Scrollsy in that. And holy crap, it was like really enjoyable. Like I, I was having a lot of fun with it. And um, I, I'm very eager to see what it's coming as a result to the point of these these are not bethesda making these these are licensed out but they are licensed out to companies that are specialized in this stuff so they're taking the care to actually do it um specifically just in regards to betrayal of the second era specifically the board maps like the 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 game mats that we were playing on, I could not believe the quality of this. It, it was like, it was that neoprene, like you have on mouse pads. Those were your character sheets and like the pieces you put down. So they all stick to the board and stuff isn't sliding around. Um, actually, Mac is in chat. Yeah, it does. It has great potential. So I'm really excited to see what that ends up being and it shows that when things are licensed correctly they can be done so so well and add to the series like in in a really unique way which i i'm really hopeful for uh, to add on to that uh, from my discussions with the lore master um zinke um uh, they are very involved with these license out uh, to make sure that the story and everything falls into place and that 
it aligns with their goals. Uh, and I think that communication is key for licensing and being able to make sure that it presents the product that they want to. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, and ironically, it's it's kind of funny. Um, Jasper Tube, as well, suggested uh, books from Regine the Purring, uh, Regine, sorry, Regine the Purring uh, Liar and His Adventures, uh, which, again, book related. I love the idea of expanding out these things because you 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 get these little bits. And I would love them to expand on that. Uh, it, on top of that, you could have that be in-game or, again, real-life versions. Um, and the reason I specifically wanted to jump to that reference next from somebody that mentioned one was it kind of ties into the idea of these short stories that happen and also having them get licensed out because behind me on the shelf which is kind of out of focus but a lot of people have seen these they have um the titan books where they had the skyrim books with like the you know it was like the bestiary and stuff like that and then there were the tales of tamriel books which hey that was our first what the heck no <laughs> i don't think we would win that fight um but no so like there there are tales of tamriel books not actually by us written about us but it was just you know it's a catchy name i guess and a lot of them are really cool art with stories from in the games and it's just turned into physical form so that's an example of taking these little stories elaborating on them and then having somebody who does this type of thing in this case titan titan i believe is the name of them um specifically do something based on that so it again when they do these things it seems like they're successful so i think that's why maybe i really really want it to happen more than it's happening there's just so much potential when these things are done right that it can add to the series and just kind of drum up excitement in and around the series itself um to add on to licensing uh there is so much creative people in the community that if they could be able to license for some of the stuff that they produce, uh, it would be mutually beneficial. Um, just look at Etsy and Skyrim or Elder Scrolls related, and you will see things that will blow your mind that people have created. Uh, I, some of these, I, I, they're so good that I've picked them up myself, even though they're not official products. Yeah, so that's one of the things that I... I can totally go with because again i kind of like the like hey i'd rather just be like an officially licensed thing personally but to the etsy point some of these things are so well done i almost wish they just got it like got the official license so they could check it off and be advertised because prior to this current year where we were getting a hermaeus morris statue i was like one step away from just trying to find a really well done Hermaeus Morris statue. All right. Hopefully that's uh, back. We'll just have to figure that out in post. We are back. I had to close the entire application because slobs blew up. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. I have no idea. Um, we lost 100% of the um, frames for almost a solid minute. So, yep. Um Hello again, everybody. Hopefully this will allow us to finish off the rest of it. Um, I, I guess, actually, we'll just say that um, 
that can be uh like i don't even yeah i don't i don't even know that was just a mess so whatever uh we'll hopefully just have this go from here and we can finish out our discussion um yeah so we had just left off on the very very expensive daedric dagger um <laughs> and um yeah I, I, again, I, I just love this stuff. The final one that I specifically wanted to mention, uh, because slobs needed to blow up right before that all happened, um, was something from uh, Sinalis on Twitter, which I just thought was really funny, but it's actually also kind of a relevant thing that I think is is kind of uh, useful. Um, but let's see we had uh let's see a new collect or a new edition of the codex scientici i never know how to even pronounce that the original like book that was the strategy guide um <laughs> for for um for, for elder scrolls one arena um so that I'm not the only one that owns one of these things. I mean, there I know there's more than a, that a few of us do own these. Um, I assume you probably have one as well. Uh, I do. It's in the deluxe edition behind me. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what I figured. Um, what do you call it? And hey, uh, <laughs> Um What do you call it? Yeah. So you know, that's the. Um, I, I you made reference, I guess, to to the idea of like strategy guides, code books, stuff like that. However, one thing to note, and this is really super, super, super niche, even on a topic as niche as what we're talking about. Um, it would be interesting to see going all the way back to some of the original games or offshoot games. Um, since those collector's items are nigh impossible to get a hold of, it would be kind of neat if they did like a re, I don't know, like a, a reissue of a small batch of them for people that were interested in these types of things on the codex on the Daggerfall one's actually not that hard to get a hold of. However, the, um, the battle spire one is mm. a nightmare that was, that took me forever to manage to track down when I got that um so so like stuff like that would be super useful i agree completely uh one thing that comes to mind they have a history of doing this before uh with doom uh back in the 90s doom released these little tiny uh pewter figurines uh with different monsters from their game uh then and i think it was 2016 when doom uh, the new doom game or well one of the newer ones was released they re-released those figurines with uh again in a whole box set and i would love to see some of them because there we do have several of the pewter figurines like the red guard one uh, or even the um, under king figurine that not many people have um, and with those i think it would be a great collector's item to re-release those and to give people a second chance at things that are very very difficult to come by yeah for sure i i i love that idea and it actually spawns off um the last the last one that i specifically wanted to mention and then if there's any other ones that you guys uh want to specifically throw out before we take a quick break and then we'll just do our tails type of thing um but one thing that i feel is super unique honestly and it's to a game that i 
like. I, I'm glad that people love it, <laughs> um, but it's it's a game I've tried. Um, I don't know. I, I, I've 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 had my fun with it. I've also had more criticisms with it that just it's got a lot of things that just aren't for me and that's totally fine but the game that i'm talking about is destiny 2 they uh, or destiny is a series just say destiny is a series but destiny 2 is where a lot of this stuff kind of came into fruition but i have a lot of fun with destiny from time to time uh, the game has a lot of great things about it how how about it um or or how about it is unique i guess it's a weird way of saying it i'm not really sure how to phrase that exactly but one of the things that's unique about it we'll put it that way is in that game there are achievements and stuff like that that you can do and or triumphs and when you do these things you unlock a title in game or blah 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 and some of them you can you can literally get physical versions of it like a seal of triumph um yeah what one of them um shout out to livia who who was actually um on the quill and vile podcast recently just posted one that they did and i thought it was awesome uh, or that they just got that was awesome from all of the achievements in a in a in a trial thing um or yeah or a raid i guess but th- in uh, the the situation with a lot of the ones that I have tried to get. Oh, perfect! You ha- amazing. Okay, so there's there you go. That's that's one. I'm assuming that's from the Dragden one. Um, um, yeah, this was actually got at PAX, but they also gave it out for other things. But this was when cool. um, there was new PvP stuff, and it's yeah. a metal. It's an actual metal. Um, yeah, medallion coin. And when I went through. When our three v three team won, they gave these out at PAX, That's but then they awesome. also they also sent them out, I think, to to some people as well. But yeah, that was I got that at PAX for winning our team winning three v three matches. Right, that's a really cool idea, um, and like, yeah, that that's kind of what I'm talking about. I love that idea specifically of these these things like that where you can physically earn it and it becomes a real thing. I don't like the idea of them having time limits on them or anything like that. Like, other than the game is still active, that's really a time limit that kind of is required. But like, that would just be really cool. It's like, oh, I don't know, you did whatever you you beat Sunspire on veteran. Maybe a little more complicated than that, but like something along those lines. Whatever, some type of thing. It would be cool to have like a physical version that you could cash in because you still pay for shipping. They're not entirely free, but you gain access to them by having your account linked. And it's like, okay, use this because this is your code that showed you did this. Because otherwise, they're like nine thousand dollars to buy them, <laughs> or right. you do the thing and then it knocks the price down to like ten bucks or whatever the case may be. Right. Um, because obviously people could do the thing, buy the thing, then sell the thing. Sure. Uh, secondhand market. Right, right. Um, but physical things for doing things are really cool. Well, it's not a physical item the person gets to own. Um, I don't fully agree on things not being necessarily time gated for really big achievements. I think what Blizzard is doing with Diablo four, where the first thousand people who get to level 100 on hardcore first the first thousand players who do this yeah they get a tie they get a title and destiny does this too destiny doesn't necessarily do this but there are titles you can no longer get that people are really proud of having because they got it when that content was available the first thousand people in 
Diablo will have their name etched on a, a statue of Lilith. Right. They will also have it, those thousand people forever, as long as Diablo 4, forever in context of the length, but for the sure. lifespan of Diablo 4, will have a unique title. And again, they're not getting a physical object. They're getting their names etched on a physical object. Right. Um, and I agree with, but, but, but going to Destiny and actually getting a physical object for a thing you did, um, I think there is a certain amount of, if the item is really cool, I think there's something to be said about having a time gate the first so many people, or if you do the trifecta in the first three months of the trial's existence, like no limit, but this is this is the time frame that you can claim this item. Um, we've produced it for, for this time frame. I think there's something cool even about a limited run thing that says I earned this thing by doing this thing within the time frame of it. It doesn't necessarily have to be a race where it's only the first group to do it. Again, it can be everybody who gets it pulled off in this three month, four month, six month window would also yeah. to me still actually be a cool thing. Right. And I, I could sort of see that. I like the idea of having like an accomplishment be open for like, if you can prove you can do it, that's good enough. But I do know what you mean as well by like, okay, some type of context before it gets so overpower leveled that it's like, okay, well, yeah. yeah. Well, my, my, my thing is there's a very big difference of the fact that I on PlayStation have a complete trifecta clear of um, Mav Lorcaj back when Mav Lorcaj was in its infancy versus right. nowadays going and getting a it's still an accomplishment to get a trifecta of mob uh, but let's face 100%. it the twins fight is not the same no now the, at the power level and the power creeper at now as it was when ma was new to the game sure and it's like you know that that's the big thing is when i tell people about like lunar phase in mob just on that example people are like what the hell is lunar phase i was like oh is this really cool mechanic that you would have to do if you couldn't delete the boss in the end of the yeah. fight by the fifth pad <laughs> on hard mode which most people don't do after they've done their initial clear of the play and even still even people who are doing it for the first time don't usually see lunar phase so to yeah. a degree I, I do understand what you're saying and that would come with some fine tuning and stuff but just the idea yeah. of something you can earn and then actually get like a version of it that that's just very i think that is an awesome thing that destiny does and it's pretty unique so I want to go back to my coin right here. Yeah. Uh, what you don't know about this coin is I earned, I earned five of this coin. Okay. Um, every time I went through, and I matched up, and I played a couple games, and our team came out on top of. Um, basically, there's a couple three v three games, so basically we win about three matches, and I get this cool coin, right? Um, this medallion. This medallion was then anteed. I anteed this medallion, and I went into, basically, other people who'd gotten this. And if then all of us teams who anteed these coins won, um, unfortunately, I don't have it. In, I haven't fully unpacked everything, so I don't have it. We got, because um, this was being done at PAX, a bigger, more unique um, pin. The only way cool. you could get that very difficult thing was to initially go through and get your coin, get your medallion. Some people went through multiple times to get them for their friends was then to ante up this really cool physical thing to go for something harder, which is a whole other concept of something cool that Destiny did. But I, it's a cool kind of idea of everybody who does the thing gets the physical thing and then yeah. anting up the physical. Anyway, the whole point is, yeah, I like physical trinkets for things I've done in-game versus I like digital things for things I've done in-game, but a physical thing for a thing I did, I will always have this. I won these matches with my team. 
Yeah, I, I love that. Like, that's just, there's just very unique things that I think is cool as something that you could theoretically, like, have a physical manifestation of something you did in this digital world. It's just, like, a cool idea. Uh, yeah, because the Sorry. Uh, what do you think about the opposite way of uh, having a physical item that then gives you something digital in the game itself? I actually also love when things do that. I love originally, that. yeah, I was going to say originally, I thought that was a little more the idea behind the pets, like the little plushes. You would get I, like a version of it, and then that like kind of stopped um, from my I, understanding. I no longer have the plush. I gifted the plush away, uh, but at a PAX, I bought a plush of a mud crab. And one of the earlier mud crab pets, it's one of the most basic looking ones based on if we look at all the pets now. Uh, but um, I got a code for a pet. I think you also got the pet for order pre-ordering Skyrim or something like that or summer. I don't know. There's something another like, way that they yeah. give up, but they also the code is also directly tied to the plush. In fact, Final Fantasy still does that. My partner recently bought a really cool plush of a creature they like, and that creature came with a code for the digital version of it. I think that's cool. I think yeah. having a physical item that also I can show off in in game is awesome. I, I, I think that it's a two way street. Yep, without um, a doubt. That I, I really I enjoy. Love, I love the both directional. Uh, thing. There, there was one uh, that was pretty unique that Elder Scrolls did, to where there was a figurine uh, that actually gives you a scrib pet, uh, which is the only one available on PC. Uh, there is a separate one available only on PS4 um, or PS5. Um, and that um, they can get a different way, but that script pet is one uh, as a unique type of pet that was only available through a limited uh, time uh, physical object that you could buy. Yeah, that's I see. That's that's another. Yeah, I love that. I, I love the idea of that. Like that's this cool. It's just like I hate the term because it's so overused. But like that weird synergy that you have between like the game and the and like real life oh. type of thing. It's very cool. It's um. I gosh, I can't remember the actual name of the pet. The pet's nickname in the game is Grub Chum, though. Oh, is is that the? Um... It's, for, it's a, for the. It was. I. I want to say. Oh, I, I have to look it up. Just a second. Yeah. <laughs> a fighter Fighters Guild journeyman figure from Symbiote Studios gave you the crony scrib, which okay. was named Grub yes, Chum. Exactly. Um, I actually is. have uh, that figurine uh, behind me. It's part of the very bottom of That's the. That's awesome. And then. And then, like you were saying, there was the PS4 players who pre-ordered Morrowind through the PlayStation Store got a Frisky script. Yeah, I, I actually, I'm pretty sure I've got the Frisky script. Now, I gotta, like, check that afterwards. I'm almost positive I've got that. That sounds really familiar now. Um, but yeah, so that's that's that that was my last one. Is there anything specific that um, we haven't touched on that either of you want to kind of mention before we take a quick break and then we'll kind of dive into tales uh, one thing i would mention is I, I was thinking about what kind of things that i would buy and one thing that popped up is a imagine um, a uh orb of meridia that when you touch it it glows and it says a new hand touches the beacon <laughs> Uh, I can imagine something like that would be popular with people, especially if it was a small little paperweight that you could put on your desk. I personally think I would love something like that because I don't know if you've ever seen those like planetary globe lights and they're like in this little, I, that's exactly what I'm thinking of, except it's like a thing of, of like Meridia. Um, and personally, I love stuff like 
that glows or whatever. We mentioned the the, the LED soul gem lamps. And um, I, I was going to say, this is from uh, one of the things uh, for anybody not on the the video version of it. Um, the, the Dwemer cube, which is actually in game quite a few different times as part of like uh, puzzles. I have one of those and it, it, it glows. It's a literal light. And I keep it on my desk at night because I have a lot of LED in my room and stuff like that. So that it, it like when I'm not on stream, I kind of play in the dark with just like weird lights around me type of deal. And that's one of the ones I keep on my desk because it glows super well in the dark. Stuff like that. I am all for. I'm a huge sucker for that crap. So like I'm all about it. I love I love that idea, actually. I would like to see maybe um, low low cost or free items um that recognize um loyalty i know they don't we don't have subscriptions anymore but what i mean by that is obviously in the game every jubilee we get a cake right a unique cake yes um something that i have so most of the collector's editions came with coins the mario one one came with a coin and things like that yep. i'm lucky enough that i have been chosen to represent the game as part of the eso stream team so for high isle i got a really cool coin medallion thing mm -hmm. as part of their promotions this year I was able to go to the Vegas event, so I was lucky enough to get a coin. But when I got the coin this year, and I know their coins, but risk sounding like, um, you know, like a an AA or a, a support group thing, and maybe in a way it is an MMO support group thing. <laughs> but it did get me thinking. I thought about how back before it was free to play, how if you subscribed, I think it was for a year, nine months, whatever, they had the tiger mount. It made me think how, and then holding this made me think it would be kind of cool that every year that I was a member based on like the, the age of my account around Jubilee, I could go on during the few week time span if I wanted to pay shipping and handling or whatever and get some commemorative. It could be a coin. It could be a tiny figure. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but we're talking about all these cool expensive collectibles and collector's editions. I think something physical akin to the cakes digital. I mean, it could even be just a cool little like, classic replication of the caking game it would be cool to have a physical representation just like i have the cakes for each and every year that i've been yeah playing I, the game I, through think Jubilee. Really I think that would be a cool thing to have too yep. agreed um yeah almost like a log of how long you've been there yeah it's <laughs> just, a, just a cool thing that you could like i like to grab all these things throughout this podcast right to, to like for the people who are for audio listeners, so I've been grabbing random objects that we've been mentioning because I have them all. It would just be cool to be talking to somebody and be like, oh, yeah, I have the oh, oh, I have that, too. You know, also, I don't know that. So this is just before we move on. One, one thing that's like super entertaining that we just uh, Isha actually just threw up, which I, I never thought of this, but this is like a really cool idea to me is if you buy one of the coins, like one of these collectors coins IRL, you get like a month of ESO plus like as a that'd like, be dope too. That's a good that, idea. That's actually really cool. Like a tie-in thing. That's that's actually really a neat idea for a promo thing. Like yeah, let, let's there you there you are there you, there you go finance huh. team. There's your there's your in to do it right. I was gonna <laughs> say that that's a very creative idea. Um, all right, so why don't we get ready? We'll take a quick break and then we will jump into tales. Uh, but first, uh, before we do that, I'm going to well, all right, so. 
apparently new fan favorite part of the show is me ruining everybody's Patreon names um, because I can't read these things or pronounce them. So uh, as always, apologies in advance. This hope. All right. No, I'm not even going to say this looks reasonable because it doesn't. Um, but yeah. So as for the Patreon shout out, um, thank you to. Oh, my God. I commit. How that's that, there's one vowel. <laughs> I comex Conrag 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 Conrag, I think. And Mossy, thank you, Mossy, for having a name I can pronounce and not ruin. Uh, apologies as always for my terrible attempts at saying your names, but thank you so much, uh, for the being the newest, uh, Patreon subscribers to the UESP. Uh, it is greatly appreciated. It helps provide us to all of, you know, all these outlets that we have to be able to do the show and keep the website running and everything like that. So it is greatly, greatly appreciated. Um, and we're just going to take a quick break for a minute. We'll come back. We'll uh, regale you with some tales. And um, yeah, uh, hopefully then stitching this episode together with that weird hiccup in the middle won't be too big of a disaster. All right. So one second, everybody. And we are back uh, <laughs> after many incorrect screen changes. But um, yeah, so that I uh, hope everybody enjoyed that discussion. If you have any input, please feel free to send it to uh, the show or via Twitter or whatever. Um, we're always interested in hearing more ideas. And thank you for those who did respond. Um, um, I have one really quick little thing absolutely. to tie back in. Uh, Maddie gone for those of you who are listening to this um, and I'm not watching it live. Maddie gone has tasked me with the important thing of pointing out when we're talking about collectibles, especially digital collectibles that 14 days signed in this month and you can get a trumpet emote in Elder Scrolls that's inspired by him. And by inspired by him, if you click the link in the description, it literally links to his page, making Maddie gone collectibly canon yes. in the Elder Scrolls universe. That is, that is oh, sorry, Maddie got entrusted me with that, so I wanted to throw that out there before I got to tell. Sorry to interrupt, Lotus. No, very important to mention. And actually, uh, it, I really hope that once we actually get a hold of it, if Maddie ever dies in combat and we all have to yell God Slayer down, I hope it plays a sad <laughs> trumpet. Uh, <laughs> but um, oh, That would be wonderful. <laughs> So going from there, um, why don't we actually, you know what, Benefactor, I'll have you go first, then I will go and actually I would like uh, Locke to kind of close stuff up because other than what you did in game, you have some important stuff happening this month, which is sort of like your tales, which I think would be good to close on. I think that that okay. would be the best way to go. So Benefactor, why don't you kick it off? What have you been up to in game? Uh, so... Recently, I haven't been playing ESO as much. I'm preparing the site to have all the books uh, for the Imperial Library go up uh, before launch. Hopefully, we get that done in time. Uh, I've been procrastinating a little bit on it. Uh, other than that, I have been really involved with helping one of the ex-developers, uh, Morrowind, one of the Quest designers, Douglas Goodall, test out his new mods for the 2023 Modathon for Morrowind. Um, he's actually released a few new quest mods uh, for uh, Fargoth Says Hello, which is hilarious. Uh, and then there's Afa Fresh, which is adds 30 new quests by one of the original Morrowind designers uh, to the world of Morrowind. Uh, so wow. I'd like to say people should check it out if they can, because it's really great. <laughs> 
Um, other than that, um, I'm very excited for next week with the launch of Necrom. I'm going to be very busy with it. Yeah, I. it's going to be rough for me trying to avoid a lot of stuff until the 20th. I mean, I will distract myself as best I can with Diablo, um, as I've heard very good things from both people who worked on the game as well as... Uh, very good. Yeah, as it's well as people in the community. So. You can distract yourself very well until... <laughs> You have to wait the extra two weeks as a console yeah, player. So, so and I, if I was still on console, that's what I would be doing for yeah, two weeks. Yeah, so that's <laughs> that's good to know that I've got a little something as a distraction. And uh, um, yeah. Do you find it hard or difficult to stay away from spoilers uh, for those couple of weeks that you have to watch everyone else have fun while you have to wait on the sidelines? Yes, it's pretty rough because, um, again, spoilers don't ruin the experience for me, but I do try to avoid them as best as possible. Um, Like getting something spoiled will not ruin the experience for me. However, I do my best to not spoil stuff. Um, But like, I, I again, I like to bounce in and out of people's streams and say hello and stuff like that. So sometimes I just go in to say hello and they're at some crucial point. I'm like, oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it this, this is this is a good point for anybody listening to this who is a content creator who especially if you create live streaming content it is not hard to change your title in the first 140 characters that people see to write the words necrom spoilers story spoilers or something like yeah, that that's a good just idea. to help people who want to jump into your stream i see this with other games that have spoilers just so if people want to jump into your stream they know the difference between oh you're just fishing antiquities and oh Maybe I'll come say hi to them later because today they're cruising through story. I don't want to see. So just a, a friendly reminder to streamers, just tag your spoilers. It, it helps people a lot um, to to know when and, and not to stop by your stream if they want to avoid um, big story beats before they get it. Yeah, totally, totally, uh, totally would second that because I love, love that idea as sometimes I just kind of gamble on it and it, if that's something that would ruin it for you, you don't ever want to have that be the case, especially if you don't mean to. I mean, if you're trying to be a dick and do it, well, then you've got other problems in life. But if if you're, you know, just playing the story because you're excited about it, too, you don't want to unintentionally ruin it for anybody else um, that, that might, you know, that you're not trying to show them more than they want to see. Um, what do you call it? So, um, yeah. Anything else, Benefactor? Uh, the only other thing that I have would be uh, preparing for the 25th anniversary of the Imperial Library. Uh, we're going to have some news regarding that. Very exciting news. Uh, hopefully soon. Uh, some more to come. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll be sharing that here as well. Uh, just kind of like to keep everybody up to date. As you give me information, I can also continue to share imp- information for people. Uh, if you want to find me, uh, you can find me on pretty much any Elder Scrolls Discord or on the Imperial Library site itself. Um, come visit us and explore the lore with us. So we're always happy to hear people's opinions of what they think of the lore and have lore discussions. Yes, and I was going to say, as much as uh, people often use uh, the UESP for everything, as well as they you know, sponsor our show at this point, um, goes hand in hand with the imperial library it's another form of information and it's a little more literally documentation of everything it is exactly like a library which is super helpful when you are looking for exact things like i need to know what was said on 
whatever you're specifically looking for, Imperial Library is 100% the place to go. It's It's been around for, well, almost 25 years at this point going on that. It's like, that is no small feat. And it's, it's uh, to not properly explain how much work goes into a site like that from you and the others to keep it going. It, it's like, it's really hard to describe exactly how much work goes into keeping an organized site um, with all of those resources available. And it, it's really, really useful, especially when doing shows like the Elder Scrolls Lorecast that I do, where it's like cross-referencing a lot of this stuff. It's it's just like the place to go. So I appreciate all that you do over there. <laughs> um, as for me, I, uh, I've had some game time um, and... It's pretty straightforward. I've actually been still goofing around a lot with PvP, just working on those alliance things, mainly the conquest ones for those achievements, just because 30 of them is incredibly time consuming because at best you can only get four done per day. Um, but yeah, well, I guess theoretically you use alts and stuff like that, but whatever. For the most part, those are very slow. So I've just been trying to whittle those down. And then when we're getting our next White Strikes Mayhem, I'm going to go all in on getting my last kills for the alliances and removing all that stuff. But yeah, I've been playing actually a surprising amount of PvP uh, still in-game. But since the last show, um, we have really been having fun with our four-player crew we've got our trial group as well but just specific achievements that our our four-player crew has managed to knock out recently we had been working on for a couple weeks actually we only generally run once a week but we got a couple times where we got to run twice which i think was what helped actually us get it but we recently did the coral caretaker achievement which is the perfect or trifecta for uh coral airy which is the speed run the hard mode and the no death that was a beast of a <laughs> trifecta that's actually i think that may be the hardest one in the game in my opinion to do because you have a relatively short amount of time there's just a lot to that place there is so much rng in the last fight with the mechanics um but we we managed to nail that one down. It was super exciting. Um, I really do like that dungeon, so it kind of negated the fact that we were at that one for a little while. And then I think we were so hyped off finally getting that because it took us longer than any other one that we had worked on. We were like, well, we've only got the two new ones left. Well, me and one of the other people, a couple have... Uh, two of our buddies have a couple extra, which we're going to do after we clear out all of the new ones. But we pretty much just have the two new dungeon trifectas to do, which we hadn't started. So we were like, well, let's pick one. And we went into uh, Bal Sunner. And we don't use a healer. We're using uh, Oaken Soul-style things, which people are mm. all divided on because, hey, it's newbie crap or whatever. That's fun. Well, spoilers, it's fun. Um, <laughs> and, spoiler alert, it's fun. Yeah, spoiler alert, it's fun. Or if you think that's a too simplistic style of gameplay, I totally get why people don't want to do it, too. Like, that's... That's legit, too. It's not like it's this or nothing. Um, I just love it. And ironically, we've got a team of four of us who really have a lot of fun with it. So that's that's what we do. And that's what we built our comp specifically around that. And we were curious if we could do those heal checks in Bell Sunner on Vat Hard Modes without actually specifically having a healer. And man, we really uh, got that down quick 
mainly because I think we were so hyped from how much of a struggle bus Coral Harry was, we actually got the trifecta uh, and the temporal tempest achievement. We got the trifecta and Bell Sunner on our third pull. Um, oh, sick. Yeah, we, we were very, we were kind of like, we, we actually should have had it on our second pull, but I kind of made a miscalculation where we got the healing debuff thing on us and we started to heal through it. And me and my buddy Neo were standing on each other and we were like, oh, we've got to split up because we're magnifying the damage. And we went the same direction, abrupt, changed in the same direction, then backed up in the same direction and I died. Oh, no. We literally just kept thinking the exact same way to get away from each other and we killed each other. Well, he lived, I died, he had like a couple health left. So it was like, whoops. Uh, <laughs> so we managed to... Uh, botch that run and then the following run we got it we got through ironically the heal birds are useful uh, the twilight matrix that everybody is <laughs> uh very split on just because they do get in the way a lot but one thing that we cannot suggest enough if you're interested in trying to get through those heal checks and you're not using a healer or even if you are using a healer it's a great safety net that we found kind of unintentionally the healing version of negate which is a sorcerer ultimate is wonderful um you throw it down on you and as long as all of you are willing to stay in that orb that is a big big heal um and it is really it's awesome a, a cool healing ultimate it is a very cool healing ultimate and it's if not... only the rest of sork was built around healing so sork healing was fun but the ultimate's cool <laughs> exactly so like so i mean healers and sork's the most unfun one to heal I, on, so. i've heard that from a lot of people actually so yeah. so that was actually one of our go-to's on that um there is also a thing that i guess I'm always tempted to not say, I, I don't know. So there's another strategy with that, that negate thing that is very handy. And um, for anybody who listens to the show, I'll, I'll probably make a YouTube video on this, I guess, just to show it because people have questioned it. Um, for the final fight in Corollary, uh, in the hard mode, you get a fourth griffin that lands. And this giant spire pops up in the middle and water waves are coming out. And you have to basically dodge or roll around these things. Just as an FYI to people, uh, if you throw down a sorcerer negate, it deletes the little bubbles coming out of the tornado because it negates them. I don't know if that's intentional or not. <laughs> um, I mean, it makes sense because it's a negate. Like, theoretically, mm -hmm. that doesn't seem weird to me, but I don't know if it's a situation like if you have no weapon on your back bar in cloud rest you just don't get that mechanic was well, it and then they fix that so like is it one of those things or is it intentional but if you're struggling and looking to get through the hard mode if you have a sork in your group you can cast negate where you're standing and any of those little wind bubbles that are coming at you will negate on the negate so it just makes that Wait. execute a lot less panicky um I'm going to attempt to make a video to show people that in the upcoming weeks, just because I think it would help a lot of people. It's not going to just hand you a trifecta by any means, but it could help make that execute a lot less chaotic because it is a rough execute in Corollary. Uh, if we see that in the patch notes uh, next week, uh, we know who to blame. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, that's actually it's. 
it would not be the first time that I've <laughs> said a method that we used for something. And then the following patch, it's been fixed. It was like, oh, that was not intentional. Okay, noted. <laughs> it's like, well, it just seemed like a good strategy, but apparently it was a whoops. But um, yeah, so that's pretty much been it for me. Very excited. We're going on to our last one. We'll be doing Scrivener's Hall next. So let's see how long that one takes us. Uh, I love that dungeon and all the the vault things off to the side is just so cool but um yeah other than that um that's that's really it for me however let's close things up with uh lock what uh what have you been up to in game and what have you i guess more so been planning to be up to in game because it's pretty exciting um, and zoss itself is working with you on this yep um we'll get to that we'll get to that i'll just do my real quick like what have i been up to pvp i am um, actually took me a lot of years to get bit with the pvp bug um, because I was an unfortunate person who, when I first touched into Cyrodiil and PvP way, way, way back in the early times of the game, it wasn't opponents that were shitty to me. I had really negative people on my faction. Kind of like if the first time you run into a dungeon, you pug into a group and people are super rude. So I had this real bad PvP taste, despite liking player versus player content in a lot of games for, oh, half a decade. So I've been doing, I've been catching up for, for lost time. Um, in PvP a lot. Um, I'm really enjoying a Frost Warden build I've been running. So uh, that's what I've been kind of up to. But the big thing um, that I've been up to is planning, orchestrating, organizing something called ESO Pride. Um, ESO Pride originally was just me uh, a few years ago as a content creator saying ESO Pride um, while I was doing Pride-related content in conjunction with my normal streams. It was kind of a solo thing. Then last year, I reached out and said, hey, I think this could be bigger. Guilds do parades. Um, there's contests, there's there's people in inclusive environment in the game. However, there's something kind of bringing people together on a grander scale. I'm curious, can I run these contests? Can I do this? You release a new chapter every June. However, you can see from inclusivity in the game, from the NPCs you write to storylines like Alchemy, that as a company, as a game, it's very inclusive. So I feel like you would do something for Pride if you, the entirety of every waking moment was probably not consumed with a new chapter release. So let me do this and they answered back last year with oh sure but also we'll promote you on the web page we'll boost your tweets here is um prize support i go can we get the rainbow emote that is only in the bandari peddler crates and give those away to people and they're like yep here you go on top of that here's some pink torch bug codes here's some crowns here's some copies of high isle and just i asked i'm in a habit as a person who's worked in the industry for a long time of i ask for the moon and then if I get a bit of what I've asked for, I'm going to be super happy. Very rare case of asking for the moon and then Zoss answering back with, what about the sun? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's happening again this year. We learned a lot from the year previous. So what ESO Pride entails, one is a concentrated streamer fundraising effort for the Trevor Project in which we raised $8,000 last year. Um, where streamers will be raising money for that and Zoss will be supporting that with pink torch bugs and other things. Um, as incentives for those streams. Um, we also run a series of contests, which Zoss Prize supports as well. We are doing a housing contest. There'll be the data out on an art contest, a fashion contest and stuff. We run like that. Um, but we also run fun events, the biggest one being parades. Um, the date is not locked in stone, but it will be the weekend of the 23rd or early week of like the 25th, 26th, because um, the official announcement, the Zoss big posted will be on the 22nd, which means we uh, stay tuned for the dates. We have people on PlayStation and Xbox running parades. So we get everybody together. We crashed Oradon last year, so we'll have to have multiple parade routes. Yeah, I remember that. Um, 
this year. So that's the big thing. And then we're also this year, we're going to be running some dances. People have dance halls and venues. We have people in the community who play music. They're going to kind of pair up with and go, hey, we're writing off to this person. Tune into their stream to hear the music, but go to this location in the game. We're going to be doing dance parties, scavenger hunts and things like that in game in addition to the praise. But basically it is bringing pride to Tamriel because for a lot of queer people, myself included, MMOs and online spaces provided an environment for us to be out of the closet, to be free, to be who we are, to express ourselves in ways we couldn't always do in real life. Um, especially in places like Elder Scrolls, where it is a super inclusive. The game has a normalizing effect. You go to Fargrave, you talk to the innkeeper, he brags about his husband and his recent wedding, you talk to his husband, he, he, he's a werewolf who's embarrassed that his husband is talking about their wedding, but it's just normalized. And that sort of thing and seeing that in game is so important for people. Um, so it makes sense that there is a lot of people who are queer, who are marginalized, who are neurodivergent or other things. So um, pride's just a way, just like pride in your city and real life is a way to bring people together, to bring LGBTQIA plus people, allies in the community together to celebrate this cool thing, express it with our fashion, with parades and stuff. So um, you can look on Twitter for that. I'm at Loctavian00 on Twitter. There's posts that will link to the Discord um, where we're planning everything and also just building a year-round community. Um, on Twitch, I'm twitch.tv slash lock. That's L-O-C-K-E. Um, where we're talking and planning out parade routes and things like that this year. And that's pretty much between that at the end of the month and planning that throughout the month and obviously Necrom. For me as a PC player nowadays, um, coming out tomorrow, that's kind of my big focus. Awesome. Yep, I was going to say, it seemed like uh, something that a lot of people had a lot of fun with last year, and it kind of coincides with all the excitement going on, people looking, either just getting into the game and looking for a community to just have some fun with um, and support, seems like, you know, another venue, and actually... To to that point, um, another friend of the show, and kind of like you can consider this my self promotion because I don't really care about my own self promotion. Uh, you're you're here. I appreciate that. Um, there's also uh, from Ninja Poles, which is Maya the Barbarian. She's actually kicking off Apocrypha Fest as well, um, which is. Another thing, it starts actually June 5th. Shh, they're running all sorts of stuff. So if you go to ninja-pulls.com, they've got a whole bunch of community events supported by Zoss and stuff like that. It seems like um, going on to uh, the the new chapter, which again coincides with your pride stuff, which is is very cool because like, again, this is like the perfect time for it. Granted, it's you know, the month for it, but it just happens that we have a whole bunch of brand new stuff, which is getting people involved with these things. Well, this is a good outlet for people to find communities that are not going to obviously dunk on you getting used to the game if you're new, coming back to the game if you've been away for a while, and you're just looking to actually have fun because games are about having fun, uh, which sometimes I feel gets lost in the shuffle these days. <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess that is it. Definitely check out all of Locke's stuff um, for the upcoming month. You'll see it all over the, the Beth site as well, um, because, you know, it. I love the fact, I mean, I, I've been on the... Uh, the receiving end honorably of all the stuff they've done for my charity stuff as well. I, I can't thank, you know, the team over there enough for all they do 
for people in the community. Um, you you know it it. I think from at least the those of I, hopefully you guys as well. It it's just like it's been a very special experience dealing with the devs to this game. It's very different than anything I've dealt with, and it really kind of makes you feel like you're part of something, which is pretty unique. There's a lot of companies out there who how they interact with their communities and their community focus is to find the biggest website, biggest podcast, biggest streamer, biggest, 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 and create a team that is basically just supporting the people who've already built up big communities and something that um, Elder Scrolls does well. And there's other companies who do this too. I'm not saying they're the only ones who do it, but something they do well is... um, honestly being supportive if you reach out to Zoss, they're not always going to be able to say yes but the fact that when i had 20 viewers on average i asked gina to be on my podcast and they said yes is a huge indicator that they as a community team are part of the community and the devs that are part of the community as well and willing to interact with people at all varying levels of involvement um, with the game, which I think is actually really unique and special since, again, the majority of companies just look at it on a business sense of going, who are the biggest people who want to work with us? Whereas it seems like Zenimax goes, who wants to work with us and can right. we work with them? Um, all right. Well, I guess on that note, thank you both Benefactor and Locke for joining. Um, that was a really fun discussion. I, another uh, Another great show. I, I I hope everybody else enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed talking about it. This was kind of like a very specialized episode. So the fact that both of you were able to join when you were the first two people I messaged about talking to this about was kind of like, oh, perfect. This is my, my ideal lineup made it for this. So I felt that that was able to cover a lot of a uh, lot of kind of like the niche collector in all of us. Um, it, Get really, really get to expand on it. And thank you, everybody uh, that responded in one way or another with your ideas and stuff like that. And feel free, if you've got any others or we've spurred anything that you hadn't thought of before, send it over to the show. Um, it, it, you, know, you can hit us up on Twitter. Um, you can also follow everything we do over at TalesOfTamrielPodcast.com. There you can find links to all of our social media and content. Uh, be sure to check out our Patreon at Patreon.com slash the UESP. If uh, you want to help support the show and earn awesome Elder Scrolls themes rewards. You can also consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify so that people know that we are a real podcast, that we say real words, and sometimes they matter. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on another episode of Tales of Tamriel, and we will see you all next time. Enjoy Necrom if you're on PC. <laughs> Bye, everybody. When Akatosh slew Lorcan, he ripped his heart right out. He hurled it across Tamriel, and the heart was heard to shout. Red diamond, red diamond, the heart and soul of men. Red diamond, red diamond, protect us till the The laughing heart sprayed blood afar, a gout on Sirid fell, and like a dart shot to its mark down in an alien well. Magic effused the Lorcan blood to crystal red and strong, then wild elves cut and polished it down to chimel at a ball. Red diamond.
diamond, the heart and soul of men. Red diamond, red diamond, protect us till the end. When elves lost Nern to men, Akatosh gave the stone to Saint Alesh in token of her right to sit the throne. Red diamond, red diamond, the heart and soul of men. Red diamond, red diamond, protect us till the end. Red diamond, red diamond, protect us till the end.